And welcome back to another edition of On The Board Sports. I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C. And I'm joined by my producer, Matt Peters, today. Matt is the owner of Gotham Podcast Studios, and he's always awesome with a capital A. And let's get right into it right now. Joining me via the phone is a very wonderful person right now. He's covering sports. He's been on ESPN doing Sports Center a couple of years ago, almost 10 years ago. I can't believe I'm saying that. And he's a graduate of Fordham, but right now he covers the Pac-12. I'm talking with Mike Yam. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing great. On and you're right, it's been 10 years, so I now feel a lot older because of uh, this interview. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been at the Four Letter Network, but uh, having a blast the last seven years the Pac-12 Network. Absolutely, Mike. And what is seven years? It's been with uh, with the Pac-12, obviously uh, growing and all that. But we're going to talk about right now. And Mike, I got to ask you: with March Madness starts today, and we all know what's probably going to happen with Zeon and everything like that. But from your perspective right now, who's the biggest favorite in in this whole NCAA tournament right now in your eyes? To me, I don't think it's close. I think it's Duke, and it's uh, Duke by a, a sizable margin when you compare them as the number one overall seed to previous teams that have been able to garner that distinction. Uh, you know, Duke has showed it. When they're healthy, they are as good of a team as there is in the country. We saw in the ACC tournament, and I think the ACC, again, this year is probably the best conference in college basketball this year. I mean, to me, if you said, hey, who's going to be those final four teams, you know, I think Duke's going to be there. I think Virginia's got a great chance. Tennessee is in that conversation. Um, you know, I think some people might lean towards Gonzaga. I happen to like Nevada in that West region and in the Midwest. I think if you're looking for a little bit of a dark horse, I love what Houston's been able to do this year. But when it comes to the clear cut favorite, I, I don't think it's I don't think there's any question. It's it's Mike Krzyzewski's squad. What's your take on the first four going on today? I know uh, Belmont beat Temple yesterday, uh, 81 to 70. But what's your take on St. John's in Arizona? And I'm a New York guy. I really like St. John's and what Chris Mullen's doing right now. But what's your what's your focus on uh, on St. John's so far this year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I think St. John's has had an up and down season. I think they've had you know some moments where. You you sit there and you go, oh boy, this team is as dangerous as there is. And then you have some other moments where you go, oh, okay, I, I don't know how to, um, you know, decipher what I can get on on any given day. And I think that's the frustrating thing for St. John's fans because, you know, I think the expectation was, hey, let's see what, what this team is um, capable of doing. And look, I, I think Molly and I worked with him when I was at ESPN. He's as good of a guy as there is uh, in the business. And, and obviously it was a great decision for St. John's to kind of go to the golden boy. But I think it's going to be an uphill battle against ASU. To me, the, the Sun Devils are the better basketball team. I think, you know, there's a reason why they're playing in the first four. I think any of these teams in that in those games in Dayton have had some issues this season and some inconsistencies. And I think that can be said for ASU, but at their peak, you know, I've seen ASU take out Kansas. I've seen them beat some quality teams and I just saw them in Las Vegas at the PAC 12 tournament. And they look, I know they lost in the semis as a two seed, but they lost to an Oregon team that I think is as dangerous as any right now in the entire field. So uh, to me, I think the weapons that Bobby Hurley has um, are pretty significant. They have some great players on that team. Elevated point guard play with Remy Martin. I think St. John's is going to be in for it tonight. 
and especially Shamari Pons is playing. He, he's the star of that of that team, and and what Mullen's doing over there and uh, with the St. John's program is absolutely unbelievable. But again, it's March Madness. Anything is possible. And speaking of anything is possible, do you see any upsets brewing in in the first and second rounds of this tournament coming up? Yeah, I mean, look, that's the greatest thing about the NCAA tournament, right? It's it's the surprises. It's not going chalk with the, the better seed consistently advancing. And I do think that there are some teams that will be able to pull off some of those upsets. You know, that, that classic 12-5, I, I kind of touched on Oregon. I actually think the Ducks beat, you know, the five seed in Wisconsin. Part of that is what Dan Altman has done with that team's defense, you know, last couple of weeks has been remarkable. And it usually takes some time. Dana's system is a little bit more sophisticated than what most teams are are running. It's changing defenses, it's zones, it's man, and, and I think it takes a while for some of these guys to be able to figure things out, and they have. And then when you lose a player like Bol Bol, like they did, Oregon, to me, has finally figured out defensively as good as a team there is, an eight-game winning streak for them. And, you know, we've seen this happen where a team gets seeded. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago for St. John's, actually, Speaking of them, when Lavin was there, one of those years they get to the tournament, having a good season, um, you know, felt like they could make a run, had a little bit of momentum heading into the NCAA tournament. They had to fly across the country and play a game. That's not easy. And I think the one advantage Oregon has in their specific regional is they're in San Jose and there is a huge Oregon fan contingent in the Bay Area. Like that place, I know it's neutral site, but I think it's neutral site name only. I think the fans will be there for it. I think Oregon can win that game. And, you know, K-State's dealing, you know, Dean Wade, their best player. I think he's, you know, still up in the air for his status for Friday. I could see UC Irvine even knocking him out that 13-4 matchup. So at least in San Jose, uh, I I do think there's the potential for a little bit of chaos with some of those earlier games. Um, But by and large, you know, I I don't know, Murray State, does anyone want to play a team? It's got John Morant on it. I mean, probably not. So um, there's definitely some teams out there that I think can surprise some folks. Excuse me, surprise some folks. Mike, there's a lot of there's a lot of venues going on. I know you've been covering the sport now for seven years, but out of all the places that you've seen, what's the what's the hardest thing about seeing a team, especially a small school? go into the big lights and everything like that and having to perform under pressure? Well, I think part of it is typically when you get to, and I I think there's a little bit of an inherent advantage that some of the lesser known uh, commodities, the non-traditional blue blood that are playing in, in major power conferences have in a tournament like this. One, I think everyone understands that the Blue Bloods, like the Dukes of the world and, you know, Arizona, UCLA, and I know the Bruins have had a bad season, but you know where I'm going with this. The the marquee programs in this country, you know, Michigan, um, you know, Kentucky, Kansas, those teams are always going to have premier talent on, on their rosters. But they're usually young because a lot of those guys don't stay in college for four years. Typically, when you get some of these teams that are, you know, winning lesser conferences, they're they're usually pretty veteran heavy and veteran laden. So to me, to have the experience that the upperclassmen bring to the table, to me, is at least a little bit of an advantage. Here's the other thing. There's also no, I shouldn't say no pressure. There's less pressure on uh, the, the the lower seed that is not expected to win than, than there is on the higher seed who is technically the favorite. And because there's this March Madness vibe where there's so much unpredictability around these games, like those are two 
non-tangible things that I would point to, to why we love March Madness, why the NCAA tournament is, is the greatest sporting uh, couple of weeks that we're going to get all year long if, for any sports fan. And I, I think that's why you see the upsets that you see. I think it's veterans and I think it's playing a little bit more loose and not as tight because the expectation is for your team, not necessarily to win. Mike, who's your player to look out for this tournament coming up? Wow, it's a great question. Um, how about this? Everyone knows about you know the you know the Naismith you know finalist for Player of the Year, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you mentioned Zion before what he can do with Duke, Kachimorek, and Zaga. You know, there's a lot of known commodities out there. I'm gonna give you a guy, and I, I look. I think it's it's gonna be a tough first round matchup for for them, but he is the best. Now, I've been. God, I've been at Pac-12 Network for seven years. I was ESPN before that and doing radio before that. So I've been doing this for, for almost God, almost 20 years. And he is the best individual defender that I have ever seen play college basketball. And that's Matisse Seibel at Washington. Um, you know, just for some context, he's had now two seasons, back-to-back defensive player of the year in the league. He's had two seasons with over 100 steals in it. And you know, people say, oh, it sounds like a big number. Well, consider this. In the history of the conference, there's only been four 100-steal seasons. He has two of them. The other two players, Gary Payton and Jason Kidd, wow. each had one. To me, it, he is he's remarkable to watch. His length, his anticipation is truly special. Washington's a great defensive team. Mike Hopkins, their head coach, was an assistant for 22 years under Jim Beheim. He's won a natty. He's gotten to Final Fours. He's been to the Elite Eight, so forth. He is... He's done a great job, brings the same type of zone defense that, that Bayheim runs at Syracuse. It's created fits for a lot of their opponents. But to me, Seibel is that one player that I think anyone who's listening to, to your show might not be familiar with that I think they need to keep their eyes on. I got to ask you one more question on college basketball. And then I want to sure. ask, I just want to ask you some, some, uh, some couple questions. Um, number one, you're, we talk about teams and we talk about players, but who's the coach to look out for this this upcoming tournament? Who? Um, it's a good one. You know, how about um, how about Nate Oates at Buffalo? I, I think that's a pretty pretty good name to throw your way because Buffalo obviously has had. Um, you get 31 wins on season. I mean, that is a hell of a year. We saw what they did in the NCAA tournament a season ago, which was insanely impressive where they took out an Arizona team who, by the way, has got a bunch of guys now playing in the NBA. I thought they were right for an elite eight final four run. They get bounced in the first round by this, this Buffalo squad. Nate's got some ties. I think his story is, is pretty unique as well, because this is a guy that was coaching high school basketball. You know, the reason why he was able to get that job is because he was a math teacher and, you know, was able to, teach that subject and, and really built his program into a powerhouse, got a great opportunity from Bobby Hurley. Uh, when he was at Buffalo, gave him his chance. Oddly enough, by the way, because I know we touched on ASU St. John's, if the Sun Devils win that game tonight, they'll match up in that first round against Buffalo, which will be you know, just kind of another unique storyline. But to me, the job he's done at Buffalo is is really special, and I, I would point to him as, as one of those coaches that deserves a lot of credit this year. That's awesome. That's awesome to say the very least. Talking with Mike Yam of Pac-12 Network, a Fordham grad. Mike, how did you get into broadcasting and what made you want to follow this uh, this career path? 
kind of crazy. I was actually pre-med when I got to school. I wanted to be a pediatrician my whole life. And, and I know you've touched on the fact that I went to Fordham and, and there's such a great tradition of, of broadcasters. Uh, you know, you can go as far back as Vince Scully and, mm-hmm. you know, currently the guys that are working in the industry right now, it's, it's Mike Breen, uh, it's Bob Papa, it's Michael Kay, it's Tony Reale. I mean, there's so many talented guys that have come from Rocco, another guy, one of my buddies, you know, there's so many guys that have come from this program that, that have really done well. Um, you know, and I just, I had some opportunities when I was in school to, uh, to join the radio station WFUV and, and get some reps and was able to parlay some of those reps into, uh, someone taking a chance on me saying, yes, that happened for me at Sirius radio. It's been five years there, four years at ESPN. Um, in between I was at NBA TV while I was at Sirius radio for, for a couple seasons and then the opportunity to come to Pac-12 Network was was one that I just couldn't turn down and it's it's been awesome. It's been awesome covering not only the teams on the West Coast but having a real appreciation for some great athletes that I don't think get highlighted because there is you know, I, I grew up in northern New Jersey, went to school in New York, used to work in Midtown. Believe me, I, I was born in the Bronx. Like there's there's this East Coast inherent bias in me. And it became frustrating when I moved out to the West Coast to see some teams and some athletes that just weren't getting enough credit. Um, and it didn't become apparent to me till I moved out here that there really is that East Coast bias. So you wanted to be a pediatrician and now you're a broadcaster covering sports. Yeah. Like that is really that's awesome with a capital A. Hate to take Dick Vitale's line right there, but that's awesome with a capital A, to say the very least. Mike, who was your favorite athlete growing up? Oh, jeez. Um, you know, I grew up a Mets fan, so uh, God, I, I could go with, you know, the Gary Carters, the Ron Darlings, Dwight Gooden, Strawberry, Dykstra. I mean, those were, you know, those were some of my guys. And then, you know, you get an opportunity, Patrick Ewing, Jesus Christ, I was the biggest Knicks fan ever when I was a kid. And, uh, and, and Pat was my guy, uh, you know, so I would point to a couple of those dudes specifically. And then it was really wild because as I got a little bit older and, and got into the business, I used to get to cover the Knicks, got to, to cover the Mets. Um, you know, I covered that subway series against the Yankees. So they, there's, there's been these great opportunities that have come my way where I, I mean, legitimately, I can tell you, I don't, I don't know how many people are luckier than I am in this business. I've been very, very fortunate. But, uh, as far as some of those guys go, I mean, probably on like the, the Mount Rushmore of, of my personal athletes, you know, Ewing was always that guy, uh, cause I was such a diehard Knicks fan. You know, I loved watching Piazza and when I got to cover him, that was pretty cool as well. Um, you know, and I was for whatever reason, just like a huge Ron Darling fan when I was a kid and good, geez, everyone in the ballpark knew the guy was going to throw gas and you still couldn't hit it. It was, it was awesome to see some of those games at Chase Stadium back in the day. And I, I'm a Yankee fan. I grew up in Queens and I always used to go to oh, Chase God, Stadium. Oh God, how did that time. happen? Uh, my, my uncles, my uncles were Yankee fans and my mom is a Yankee fan. My pops, it's a long story, but he grew up at he grew up in Shea Stadium, always helping out my grandfather and everything like that. And you know, I went to a Yankee game and I fell in love with it. You know, but uh, but it, it's it's truly crazy. Maybe one day when you have you know more time, I'll I'll definitely talk talk to you about it. You know, but uh, but no, dude, it, it's it, it's been I I love baseball. Baseball is my favorite, but one sport that's really been uh. I've been getting into recently is hockey and I know you, you grew up in New Jersey. You, you got to see the, uh, the three Stanley cup teams from the devils and I'm a huge Islanders fan. Yes. And you know, I gotta, I gotta ask you, Mike, 
And why is it that hockey doesn't get as much coverage as it does? It's a great question. Um, you know, I think the sport just generally speaking is, I don't, God, I mean, even growing up, I mean, who's the, you, know, you can identify with one or two players specifically, you know, there's Gretzky when I was a kid, um, Messier, just cause I was there, broke door. Cause you made reference to, uh, to those East coast ties that I have certainly with the devils and the Rangers, but you're right. Like I, I just, I don't know. Naturally though, it's always been baseball. I think football is surpassed baseball. I think that there are certain, uh, pockets in this country where basketball is certainly king. And I think part of it has to do like, did you grow up playing baseball? I did. I, did right? I, I, I grew up playing baseball, you know, just never really, I I've grown up around baseball, obviously Yankees, Mets yeah. playing with my friends at the park and everything like that. You know, it's, it, and being around people that actually played in high school and played in college and heck had a chance to play in the pros. So, you know, it's it's truly amazing. Well, how, how many guys do you know that got to play hockey? I think that's probably part of the reason, right? Like, because I grew up and was playing different sports. I didn't play hockey, so I don't. I think mean, it's part of the reason I never gravitated towards that sport because I just didn't play it as a kid. And I think when you play football, when you play, you know, little league baseball, when you're playing basketball with your friends in the park, like those are accessible sports for people and right. hockey just isn't i think that's part of the reason why there's maybe not as much passion for the sport because they're not getting the fans early on uh and actually playing and then creating that enthusiasm for the sport as they grow older you know that's that's crazy and you mentioned the uh the rangers and you mentioned the devils both teams have been great uh having down years the islanders they're in second place right now everybody thought that they'd be in in dead last after they lost out on John Tavares, but man, you know, it's been absolutely crazy what, what's been going on on the Island with Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo, uh, riding the, uh, riding the ship over there in Long Island. So it's, it's truly been crazy to say the very least, but Mike, thank you so much for coming on, man. You know, really appreciate it. Yeah, really appreciate the invite. Anytime, man. Thank you. Always welcome to come back on the show. Um, you know, you have any uh, social media handles outside of Instagram that people want to maybe follow you on and all that stuff? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, at Mike underscore Yam. Facebook, just Mike Yam. And, and Instagram, the same thing. Awesome with a capital A, baby. Awesome with a capital A. <laughs> I, I, I got to bring up the Dick Vitale references, man. I love that guy. Really love that guy. We'll go with it. We'll, a classic. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming on. Thank you for sacrificing a couple minutes of your time to come on the show, and hopefully we'll do this again soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. Appreciate the invite, and best of luck with the show. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. There it is. Wonderful interview with Mike Yam. Mike is awesome with a capital A. And we will be right back on the board sports. We will be right back. <laughs> 